Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grissaf and this is RFI Group's Insight Back podcast focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. Research from RFI Group's latest global digital banking study shows that one in four consumers globally use their mobile phones for budgeting. With the number of fintechs and banks offering personal financial management tools to consumers continuing to rise, it is becoming more important to deepen the value offered by such tools beyond just categorization of expenditure. For this week's episode entitled PFM Tools Beyond Categorization and Pie Charts, we caught up with Peter Myatt, the CEO and founder of Bean, who shares his journey behind Bean's success, the importance of customer feedback, and how Bean differentiates themselves to others in the market. Hello, Peter Myatt, CEO of Bean. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Digital Banker podcast. Uh, so this week we're talking all about virtual assistance for banking. So one of the most interesting and, and you know, fairly recent innovation in the industry. So Peter, why don't you tell us a bit about the journey that Bean has been on, uh, how you've got to where you are today, and specifically the online personal assistant aspect to the company. Yeah, so probably the best way to describe and, and explain the journey of Bean is to sort of talk about uh, my journey. So before setting up Bean, I was the head of strategy at uh, a company called Zipper Property Group, or ZPG, who run a large property portal in the UK. Mm-hmm. I helped the company through an IPO. Uh, and then after that IPO, we looked at how we could expand that business, which led us to to looking at the home services area, which is sort of comparison websites in the UK. So things like Compare the Market, Main Supermarket, Go Compare, Confused, and U-Switch. Uh, and that led us to actually buy U-Switch. And it was when I was doing that transaction, I kind of found myself in this, this situation where on one hand, I had everyone I know complaining about their money and the fact that they couldn't afford to buy houses. And, and on the other hand, I could see from the statistics in the sector that People are very bad at managing the money. and There's actually a lot of cash available if you were to be even just a slightly bit better at managing your money. So that sort of led me on a bit of a journey and I ended up leaving that job to, to set up what has now been. And, mm. and really what we, we try and do and focus on is trying to help our users manage their money a bit better. And, that, and that's a bit of a departure from, from what traditional banks uh, have always tried to do. Banks are, are really more around keeping your money secure, helping you facilitate payments. Uh, and getting you a good interest rate. They have never been really that incentivized to really actually help their users manage their money. If you actually think about it, most banks are probably incentivized to help help their users spend their money and be in <laughs> debt. That way they get a lot of money on, on interest rates and on credit cards yeah. and the like. So rather than sort of deciding to be a bank and have those incentives uh, set up so where we don't want to help the user manage your money, we sort of took a look at the set and thought, this is wealth of data and transaction data that isn't really very well leveraged in the UK. There's quite good examples in the US of good companies out there that are doing some really interesting things. So what, what can we do out here that in the UK that would really sort of help, mm. uh, help that sector? And how can we actually help people spend less money? But without that annoying thing of, of people saying, oh, just don't buy that coffee a day or millennials can't afford houses because they're buying some avocado toast. Which we're trying to take an approach looking at something a little bit more robust and actually more meaningful in terms of actual pounds left in your wallet at the end of the month. Mm. So by doing that, we sort of started looking at some statistics and we found that around 50% of all 
consumer spending is now in the form of recurring payments. So that's direct debit, standing orders, consumer payment authorities. And these are contracts like your insurance contract, your energy contract, your mobile phone contract, uh, credit card, but also gyms, newspapers, subscriptions, and, and all the rest of it. So in, in that sort of process, that sort of brought me straight back to the world of comparison websites and all the type of contracts that they help you with. So what we've, we've really tried to do is, is leverage that gap between banks, banking transaction data and what's going on in the comparison market to produce a, a far more proactive solution. So rather than you having to think, oh, I need to change my car insurance, we will notify you. We'll tell you when that's going to happen and we'll, we'll do as much of the handholding and, and the heavy lifting as possible. So hopefully at some point it'll just be a one-click solution for, for consumers just say yes i want this and then they're always on top of their money because mm, so what stage is that at because it's it's an incredible offering if someone could just unsubscribe me to things that i definitely don't need to be paying for in in a one-click motion as you say you know i'd be a millionaire so yeah. <laughs> you know what is what is some of the feedback that you've received on that and and how does this actually work from a back-end perspective we launched sort of a beta in the summer of 2017, so last year. We ran that for sort of three or four months, again, some really helpful feedback about what people want and, and how it works. So we made a lot of product improvements. So at the back end of 2017, we really launched the product, and we've seen some phenomenal growth since. The way it really works is that we, we tap into our customers' accounts to read their, their online transactions, their banking statements. Using that, we've developed a whole load of algorithms that sort of match that data together to identify those contracts. I think that's that's something that no one's really cracked, especially in the UK market, but also globally, where rather than just seeing a load of transactions, maybe categorizing, actually identifying contracts and saying, I know that that phrase actually means you now have a British gas contract. That means that it's an energy contract. And looking back in the, in the history of that data, we can tell uh, when you move to that supplier, when the price has gone up, when price has gone down, and all those factors. And using those together and enhancing that contracting, essentially adding the sort of a contractual context to that piece, uh, it allows us to identify what you've actually signed up to rather than the fact that you've spent X amount of your money on groceries or X amount of your money on, on any different category. That gives us sort of that actual insight because we know you have, you've signed up to something. That then leads us to, on the subscription side, that then means that we've built out an infrastructure that means that if you see a subscription you no longer want, you can notify us, provide us with a little bit of information, then our team will go off and process that cancellation uh, for you by contacting mm. the actual merchant rather than just deleting a direct debit. Uh, if you delete a direct debit, you're still liable to pay for that contract. And a lot of people get into the sort of problem where they've deleted a direct debit thinking they've deleted a contract, but actually... They then have the bailiffs around to say that they, they need to pay for that contract, whereas we will go to the actual merchant and see if we can get that cancelled. Obviously, in, in some situations, people are, are still in their contract, so we can't get them out, but we can make sure it ends at the end of the contract. And then on the flip side, when it comes to bills, we then have partnered with a number of suppliers who can scan the whole market of potential deals that are out there, and we can, which means that we can monitor what's going on proactively let people know when they can get a better deal and i guess that's sort of what differentiates you from some of the competitors in the market which a lot is around that sort of categorization of spend and and you've really moved it on a bit further than that yeah exactly that typically people find that if you're just providing someone with a pie chart telling them how much they spent on various types of spending clothes versus transport 
it doesn't provide that much actual insight. You you sort of spend as you would for the first month. You look at that date and then you sort of think back and realize that you actually needed to do all that travel. Uh, maybe, yes, you could have used a few few less Ubers, but you yeah. at the point of purchase where you decided to use the cab. So you you made that proactive decision at that point. So you then suddenly realize that this data isn't actually going to change your behavior or isn't going to change anything. Therefore, people sort of stop using these apps after a, a month or so and then find mm. that you need to come back where sort of our model is slightly different in that you normally come into a platform and you go, you might instantly see something that you realize you could cancel or switch, but then you, you there's probably not very much for you to do in the first month or two because you're probably in contract on most of your major expenditures. But if we then can practically get in contact with you at the right time, we can activate you and, and get you to do something. Mm, no, absolutely. I mean, people are lazy, right? That's the yeah. point of all of these digital innovations is to make their lives easier by just showing them how badly they spend. Doesn't mean they'll stop. Probably after a month, they'll think, no. I'm not going to stop. I will delete it. <laughs> it's not just that people are lazy. It's just that people make decisions or decide to spend their money for a number of different factors, not just the fact whether they can afford it or not. It's mm. they're having a bad day. They're a bit tired. They were up all night uh, looking after their kid. So they're buying a coffee in the morning. Even if you can't really afford it, but you kind of want it, there's, I think everyone's sort of guilt spent a few times. Mm. So having just the pure facts of whether you can or can't afford it doesn't necessarily change someone's behavior. And I think most people make a good enough decision at the right time when they're handing over their credit card. Yeah. We, we just don't want to be that app in someone's pocket, just being annoying, saying, you shouldn't buy that. Don't do this. This is how you should live your life. We think our customers are pretty intelligent and can actually make those decisions. Whereas, when it comes to recurring payments, they're great because you just set and forget them. You can then go to your gym every day without having to worry about getting your credit card out or worrying about the cost of the trip because you can set and forget it. You forget it. So you don't cancel something when you don't use it or you don't switch it. Well, you, you're not normally notified when there could be a better deal on and actually how easy it is to get that deal. So that's really where we super and hyper focused on that area rather than trying to take on all the spending which we're trying to really take the big wins and make them as easy as possible for customers obviously customers have to enter their online banking information to use you so kind of a couple of questions around that process how much of a shift has open banking in psc2 and changes in sort of data handling impacted you there and how are you ensuring that security of holding this information on your customers and then i guess the other you know flip reverse that how do you ensure consumers actually feel comfortable with sharing this data with you so i suppose the first one was open banking i think open banking is great for a number of factors and a bit slow out the gate is sort of the other factor is that my, my personal favorite thing about open banking is that it creates this robust liability and security model around being able to share transaction data. Mm. One of the key things is that people like myself are now becoming insured to hold that data. And there's now a model where customers will not be out of pocket, which is great if there was some form of a hack or, or some sort of a loss incurred by sharing that data, which I think is brilliant. Mm. And obviously also not having to enter your entire password entire user credentials into a third-party platform is, is far more comfortable for consumers who've been trained quite rightly not to do that sort of thing because there's been far too much phishing going on from the bad guys. So yeah, it feels quite uncomfortable for customers to do that. So hopefully open banking will get over those initial hurdles. I think there are some areas of the specification within open banking that don't really put players like ourselves on an even footing with the banks. 
currently the standard state that we have to, to re-authenticate that connection every three months, which is very sort of, in my, in my opinion, competitive with banks. It means that banks can build functionality that we can't build. And it sort of detracts from the whole point of open banking mm. is that it's meant to allow people like ourselves to be on the level playing field with banks. So that's the first thing. The second thing around how we deal with security, I think security is our number one priority. It's even more important than saving people money. We need to make sure people don't lose extra money. If security wasn't at the heart of absolutely everything we do, we would be in a pretty bad position. So realistically, that in mind, anytime we think about building a new feature, a new thing, changing anything, even communicating with our customers, we always sort of step back and say, is this a responsible use of data? Is this a secure way of doing this particular thing? Is there a better way of doing it? Our data is encrypted end to end. It's encrypted at rest. We make sure that passwords and all the rest of it are very strong. We get pen testing and, and all the rest of it to make sure that our our systems are as tight as absolutely possible. And if not as tight, then actually your data is probably with the bank. So, and also then we sort of make sure we don't hold too much data. So we don't try and hold your actual card details. We don't try and hold your account and sort code. So even if you someone was to get hold of the data, it's not sufficient to actually cause fraud. So there are a number of things that we actually do internally. And then, and then find the customer piece. Um, the way I see customers is there's, there's three categories. There's a set of customers who don't really care about sharing their data, don't mind putting their credentials in. They're actually just more frustrated that the se- sector and segment isn't further ahead of where it currently is. They are just voracious when it comes to using apps and sharing data and, and getting the benefit. They really understand the playoff between I need to share data, but I get a great user experience back. You then have a category of people who don't buy things online. They'll get, they go into physical stores. They don't really like doing anything into that involves sharing data. They don't want to be on Facebook. They don't want to post on Instagram or Twitter and they mm-hmm. just, they don't see the need or, or want to do that. And that's fine. And, and those people obviously don't want to use our, our type of platform. Again, that, that's fine. That's, that's their prerogative. There's, there's other ways of achieving this. They are more laborious, but that's their prerogative. And, and we're always going to come across people like that. So again, they are what they are. And then there's the middle ground, which is probably the, the interesting piece for us all, which is probably the majority of people who are, they get what we do, they like what we do, they want it, but they're just a bit reticent about sharing mm. their data. They need to yeah. understand a bit more about the sector. They probably need to hear from their friends that they've used it, they've liked it, that there's sort of killer applications out there that really help. And that that's sort of the battleground that I think we're all sort of now sort of focusing in on a little bit. And it's it's a process of, of education around the security and the benefits mm. of the platform. And again, that's sort of a big focus of where we are now and, and what we're trying to get involved in. Mm. And so what's sort of next for Bean? Is it partnership opportunities that you're looking for? Are there intentions to expand your offering beyond what it is at the moment? Yeah, so there's a number of fronts for us. I think the core of where we're really focusing right now and where we hope to be focusing for the foreseeable future is on the product, making it the best possible platform we can possibly build, whether mm. that extends into building into new channels over and above what we currently have, and just really sort of trying to move the needle in terms of how much we save every single user who comes to our platform. That's really where our focus is. We believe best product wins in these sort of markets. Yeah. So we want to have the best product and, and wow our users as much as possible. With that in sight, in the next month or so, we'll be... Uh, launching an insurance channel and some 
some various things around financial services will be from next month uh, authorized to be dealing in those markets. We'll be able to deal with all types of recurring payments. Mm. So that's really exciting for us. But longer term, it's really just focusing on saving the most amount of money for the most number of people as possible and create the best product. Mm. And is it partnerships that's going to achieve that increase in customers, do you reckon? Or yes. are you going to be a fintech that, that goes it alone? No, no, partnerships. <laughs> I think, well, there's, there's a couple of ways of growing. Either we can just go and spend a huge amount of money to, through Facebook, which is, is a very competitive marketplace for getting attention these days and is therefore quite expensive, or trying to tap into mm. existing networks of users and people. So we have a couple of really exciting partnerships that I can't really talk about quite yet, but um, <laughs> we're hopefully going to be launching the next couple of months, which are sort of really trying to specifically focus on helping the people who need platforms like us as much as possible. So that's going to be really exciting. They've got massive audiences, really exciting brands and, and companies to be working with who are really thinking about their customer first uh, rather than, say, their bottom line. There's a number of the other areas in, in terms of partnerships, again, we want to be getting to be able to help uh, users manage as many of their bills as possible so and getting the best products in front of them so obviously if we just went to octopus energy in the energy market and only offered their tariffs to our users that wouldn't be particularly great for our users we we can tap into existing companies then we can get a whole market view and therefore we can get the best deal for our customers so finding the best partners in those areas to to syndicate the largest panel of suppliers and get the absolute best deals for our customers is the other area we're really focusing on and, and trying to get those partnerships in play. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, it sounds like there's so many exciting opportunities for you and you're really at the at the sort of pivotal moment of, of how partnerships can help grow. Um, I just wanted to close off on sort of what do you think are some of the technologies that you're going to be using that are really going to transform this part of financial services? It's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, as a company, we try not to think technology first. There's obviously a lot of buzzwords with AI and blockchain and all the rest of it out yeah. there. However, there are positive and negatives to all these tools. I think it is very exciting to see the engagement rates you can get through chat interfaces versus, say, yeah. email or traditional methods of communicating with customers. So that's something that's very exciting. If, if we want to activate an individual to get them to do something, there's sort of a, a higher chance of getting to do it in some channels than other channels. That's really interesting for us. Uh, obviously, the whole machine learning AI, it can be jazzed up a lot, but fundamentally there's transaction data is messy. It's difficult to, to work with and any tools that can help make more sense out of that data is definitely things that we're going to be leveraging as much as possible and really trying to use to, to bring some real intelligence to the platform over and above, like say, charts that you would traditionally get in the sector. I think we want to be able to just show the answer to customers rather than have the customer work it out themselves. And I think AIs and machine learning and, and all the, the cool tools around in that sector are going in that direction are going to be able to help us do that. Mm, that's a great way to close it off. It is a sector that's just about to really take off, I think, is the way to view it. And it's amazing that you're in yeah. such a central position and sort of riding the wave of that innovation. So very exciting times ahead for you. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. To view the show notes from this episode, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To get in touch with us, check out our Instagram, Global Digital Banker, Twitter at GDB Podcast, or on Facebook under Global Digital Banker Podcast. 
If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.